You're listening to Diverse City Podcast. Please stay tuned to hear a powerful word. For giving or more church information, check us out at diversecity.church. Or to text to give, text DIVERSE to 73256. Thank you for listening and enjoy the word. All right, so we're in week three of the It Factor. That was a little quiet. Week three of the It Factor Church. All right, just to bring everybody up to speed, so this um, It Factor, this series is all about how we, about stewardship, how God has called us to serve. We are called to be like the butlers in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. We're going to be Jeffrey. Or if you're a Batman's fans, you have to be like Alfred where God is giving you all of these wonderful blessings, but we're stewards. So that means we get access, we have the ability, we can make the decisions, but we get to have the understanding that the things that we have are not ours. That God uses us, he blesses us to be a blessing. That God has challenged us to not be reservoirs, but to be rivers, to be active, to be able to flow, to be able to give life. As we encounter people, You should be edified when you come into my presence, not horrified. (laughs) If I worked for you, it should be a blessing that I'm on your team. Not like, 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 you you need to go find another job. And if we have the right mind of stewardship, that's what we're able to show. That's what we're able to display. So in week one, we looked at the life of David. We talked about before becoming a king how God gave him multiple gifts and talents, ability to play the harp. He looked nice. He could fight. He was the complete package. And what God worked on him was behind after he was anointed. God showed him how to teach and raise sheep, how to teach and raise goats, because there's a season in your life when God appoints you to go somewhere, it's going to take some time. You may get anointed today, but you may not see the manifestation until this time next year. But during that season, are you willing to wait and trust the things that God has for you will be able to come to pass? And then last week, because most of us view David as a Bible superstar and just say, I just want to get to heaven. I just want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. But we talked about the parable of the talents. And we looked at the three, the three men, one getting one gift, another person getting two gifts, and another person getting five gifts. And then God going away and giving us an opportunity to be able to see what we would do with our gifts. As we know, two of them were able to work and invest in their opportunity. They didn't spend the time complaining and murmuring, but they worked their gift. And they were able to double it. And then one of the stewards took his gift and was just like, I should just hide it in the ground. He dug a hole. And that's what most of us do. I've been there in a season of my life when God has blessed me and I dug a hole in debt. I dug a hole in buying a house I couldn't afford. I dug a hole fleecing a car because they approved me to be able to get it. And God said, hey, Didn't I tell you to do this? Didn't you need margin to be able to serve and do ministry? And I had to repent and pray for mercy and pray for grace. And now we got week three. It's about to get real. 
So let's go on and just put this out here. This is the one time in the entire year we're going to talk about giving. Because I truly believe within my heart is that giving is a big proponent of how God lives his life and for us to be able to be stewards that we have to be able to display. So the title of today's message is called Manage It. There are over 2,500 scriptures on how to handle money and possessions. Jesus has roughly, depends on how you break it up, 35 to 38 parables. And 16 of them are about money and possessions. Money adds meaning to our lives, but it's not the meaning of life. Raise your hand if you've turned down a raise before. Joseph? Well, you you real holy. Miss Rose, too. I'm going to pray for that anointing. But money is a tool. It's a vehicle that we all get to use to buy, to acquire things. And based on your experience in church, we all have different views, right? I said money. Some people got tight. A few people grabbed for their purse. And based on your experience, some of us have left the church because of a sermon on money. Some people stayed away from church because of money. And today I just want to talk about it from a perspective of information and inspiration. No different from any other sermon we've had. As we finished the last series on real relationships and talked about things to do, it was amazing to hear the number of testimonies of people reaching out to me and my wife and said, hey, we want to date, but we want to do it God's way. We just married one couple, and they said they got, they got convicted and said, you know what, we got to do this right. And then we got two more weddings to do before the end of the year, and this all happened through the breakthrough of real relationships. Listen, the word is alive and well. And similar as what he can do in relationships or as we talked about in the summer, your faith going under fire and people have received promotions, I believe as we steward our gifts, our money in the right way, God can bless us to the point that we can be a blessing. Because there's two types of disciples in the Bible, those that don't have much and those that have to be able to fund and support the things that we do. So let me just throw out this qualifier real quick. One, when we think about money, most of us are on one of the end of the spectrum, right? One, a group of us have been to church and all that was taught is the prosperity gospel, right? That pay your $250 and get this holy water and God is gonna do something. Or $230 and get your prophetic vision. Or read from Psalms, got to be a high number, 133. And God says, for every seed you sow of $133, there's going to be unity in your house. Or some of us experience the other side. But they said, Jesus was poor, I got to be poor. 
And if you pour that ain't even enough, you got to be poke. You got to just have the P and the O. You got to leave off the other O and the R. You got to be broke. Like government cheese, grape Kool-Aid, Raymond noodles with some Adobe seasoning to show your commitment and your suffering for the gospel. And it's not really this or that, but honestly, it's somewhere kind of in the middle. So to start it off, look to your neighbor and say, relax. We're not taking up an offering at the end of service. I promise you. So let's talk about money. So for my people that are 35 and up, let me just put you in the mood so you can relax. DJ, hit it. Bring it back, DJ. <laughs> Come on, DJ Joseph. Ah, oh, Lord. Patience, Jesus. Patience, Lord. Do we got it? If I could sing, I would just sing. DJ Joseph. Come on, I'm giving it 10 seconds, so we're going to move on. Stop, 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 stop. Y'all got to get saved if you know that song. Meet me at the altar. Not in the white dress. Meet me at the altar. But there's a few people that may be in their 20s. They don't know anything about that. So I'm going to bring it into the 21st century. DJ Joseph, whenever you're ready, go ahead and play the track. DJ Joseph. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. Stop it. Stop it. Some of y'all heard that song last night. Oh, Lord, Jesus. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done, I promise. Now y'all can relax. Laugh a little bit. We're okay. All right, go to the next slide real quick. Third John chapter 3. So we got scriptures, we got information, and we have inspiration. So let's lay this foundation. As we all have heard of this, beloved, I wish above all all things that you may as prosper and be in health even as your soul prosper. Listen, when we give our life to Christ, eternity is taken care of. But who can at least raise their hand and say, you know what? I know I'm going to heaven, but I don't want to live in hell on earth. That God believes in making us whole. Every area, every aspect, he wants you blessed from the bedroom to the bank account, married folks only. <laughs> but God wants us to be able to prosper. He wants to be able to see abundance, and that only occurs through our stewardship. So, we have to be able to discuss this, and I'm staying close to the podium because I want to make sure I don't get too off rails today. I'll be good. Maybe a few sidebars. So whatever, this is what God told me, whatever you decide not to address from the pulpit, you will deal with it in counseling. That there are some things that we have to be able to talk about as a whole 
that it's not just Stephanie being blessed. It's not just Serena being blessed, but all of us to be able to come up together. I was so touched um, to talk to the family from Indiana and to hear, I forgot my man name on the left, of his family um, being missionaries in Brazil. And I'm like, wow, look at that stewardship. That's not my calling. But what if we could sow and to be able to bless their family to continue to be able to do the work? That means we are blessed to be a blessing. So here we are, Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. It says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, when I first read this verse, I was tripping. I thought wherever my heart was, that's where my treasure will be. But God saying, wherever you put your money, that's where your heart will be also. Looking at my bank statement today, Bank of America, Starbucks, food. I said, Lord, I ate my treasure. <laughs> Don't raise your hand, but a few of us did too. I bought my treasure. I'm wearing my treasure. Yes, it hurts. I'm getting ready, me and my wife, a week from Monday, going to um, South Carolina to see my mom. And it's only because I love her. Lord, them plane tickets are expensive. But she has my heart, and we're able to show it through our treasure. So, we have to be careful that if we're making withdrawals, that we're also making deposits. There are certain friendships that we have, and you're asking for stuff, you're wanting stuff, you're needing stuff, and the word of the Lord said, insufficient funds. Overdraft fee. And the same thing with God. I got big prayers. I have big things that I would like to be able to do in my household, in the church. And I have to be challenged to make sure that my deposits are on the same page as my withdrawals. Oh, but he knows my heart. He does. Yep. He sees it. We see it because I don't care about what goes on at U.S. Bank. I don't care what goes on at PNC, but Bank of America, it got my treasure. Many of us, raise your hand if you got that Disney Plus and you watched the movie this week. Nobody? Oh, my Lord. Thank you. Unskirt. But I was thinking on Friday, I'm like, man, I should buy some Disney stock because I believe and what they're going to do. I believe that they can take down Netflix. And what I started to see is when with that investment, now I have that following. What's going on? What's the newest report? And so the question is, where is your treasure at today? Where are you invested in? Are you happy with that investment? Or what are the areas or the people in your life that are asking for withdrawals. Give me that, give me that. I need you to do this. And you need to just tell them insufficient funds. Point number one, giving is all about the heart. Giving 
is about your heart posture. What does your heart say when it comes to giving? Is it fear? Are you frustrated? Are you tripping? But giving is about getting our heart right. No matter who you're giving to, no matter what you're depositing into, but giving is a matter of the heart. John 3.16, let's quote it, church. For God so loved the world that he what? Stop, stop. What did he do? Did he pray about it? Did he fast about it? But he gave. He gave on a chance that you would receive him. He gave on a maybe. They crazy, but I'm a gift. That he gave his only son. What you give, giving is the ultimate expression of worship and love. What are you giving to today? It's moving beyond just what we words and deeds. So when we talk about tithes and offering, it's us being able to bring forth our gift to show our love and appreciation. Side note, if you're single <laughs> and a guy from a ladies asks you to go out on a date and he says to pick him up, And he said, pay the bill. He ain't the one. Just saying. Married folks, if you're feeling a disconnect between you and your spouse, my first question is, when is the last time you gave to them? When is the last time you bought something from them? So now your heart is away from them and the person that's looking side-eye with you at work. But then we forget to give to the people that we love. And God did it for us. I got children. They crazy. And I continue to give to them. And they don't appreciate it. They don't care. And they keep asking me about Christmas and want to watch The Grinch Every day, the original, Jim Carrey, giving to them over and over and them. Because I love them, I continue to do it, despite if they appreciate it or not. But for us to be able to be stewards, we have to give. Some of us said, I'm not giving to anybody else, but I'll give to myself. And that's okay, but... We're talking about balance. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25, this verse tripped me up. It says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. And the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Mm -mm -mm. I'm going to pause for effect, let that sink in real quick. And in verse 25, it says, the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. See, when it comes to money, it's not, there's no, there's not a dichotomy between prosperity and Christianity. I know a lot of rich people that are stingy, and the more money they make, they stay. 
real stingy. I know a lot of poor people that will give you everything. And even in their less, they still continue to give. It's just like a brick, or I can get my rocks. Oh, they moved it. A rock can be used to make a fire. A rock can be used to build. Or a rock could be used to throw a slingshot and hurt somebody. Same thing with a brick. The bricks in this sanctuary are used to be able to build a place of worship. Or a brick can be used as a weapon. And that's the same thing when it comes to money. There's multiple examples, whether you want to look at Jesus or Paul and see them actually not having much, but it deals more with their purpose, not necessarily as a function of their Christianity. There's other people that are extremely blessed, such as Solomon, where words will say he left and gave over $2 billion after he, after he died. Same thing with David, but the life of the generous, because money doesn't change you, it just magnifies who you are. And put it on full display. If you're stingy, get more money. More people will see that you're stingy. Or we can be like Bill Gates that has been blessed, that don't even tithe, but he's a reverse tither. He lives off his 10% and gives away 90%. Money doesn't change who you are, but it just magnifies who you are. Here we go. So what's this big deal about tithing, right? Many of us think, okay, is this an Old Testament thing? Is this a New Testament thing? Is it under the law? Is it over the law? Let's kind of look at three different passages. 11.56, are we good? Anybody hungry yet? Raise your hand. Okay, a few people. Give me a good 15 minutes. Let's talk about this because I want to make sure as we leave here that everyone understands the purpose, the reason, the inspiration why we give. And like I said, we're not going back and looking at your tithing record. We're not going back and looking at how much offering you gave, but we're just presenting the gospel and allowing God to do his work. So here we go. Genesis chapter 14. Let me just give you some context so you can respect the content. So you have Abraham in the midst of a battle. He's taken on one king. And because of the fear of the king to fight Abraham, a king goes and get four of his other enemies and said, let's go jump, Abraham. I can't take him out by myself. But if I can get the help of these other four people, I'm sure we can take him down. And so as you get here, as you read in verse 18, it says, Abraham first fights, and he's able to get victory. And he's overwhelmed with joy. He looks and sees his enemy and says, there is no way I could have not done this by myself. Surely God has blessed me. Surely God has protected me. And then you read in verse 18, it says, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, so number one, he's a king, brought out bread and wine. Oh, yeah, it says wine in the Bible. Just want to say that. And he was the priest of God the Most High. Go to verse 19. And it says, 
And he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abraham by God the Most High, creator of the heaven and earth. And then verse 20, and it says, And praise be to God the Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. And then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything he had. Now, there's multiple, not to get too deep, but just to drop a few nuggets about who is this guy, Melchizedek. He just shows up out of nowhere. He meets with Abraham. He bless him. He receives a tithe. And the next thing you know, he's gone. No one knows how he died. There's no other references. There's a term, if you go to seminary school, called Christophany, which basically means that it was actually God showing up, similar to Joshua when he got ready to fight and runs up on an angel and it says, I mean, are you with me or against me? And he said, neither. I'm God. Same thing when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego goes into the fire and they see a fourth man. That's a Christophany. Same thing with Moses when the burning bush runs into and it starts to speak to him. It's beginning to show signs of God showing up in the midst of a situation before he actually comes on the earth. But how does Abram respond? He gives him a tenth. Now, we can debate if it should be a ninth, a twelfth, but the first sign of tithing is all about revelation. God revealed to him what he should do, and he did it because he blessed him. Don't give out of fear, don't give out of condemnation. Don't give because the pastor comes back on stage and say we need $130 to play electricity. But we give because God blessed us. Period. End of discussion. Exclamation point. Drop the mic. But if he's blessed you, that's why we give. Everybody get that? Everybody okay? Can I keep going? Anybody learning anything? All right, here we go. Let's keep going. So, the first sign of giving is because of revelation. Part number two. So, when you come into Leviticus, now we've left from Genesis. This is pre-law. But then as we move to Exodus, we see God's people are in bondage. And God is able to bring deliverance to his people. And when you get to Leviticus, if you go to the next one, now we're in the part where God is giving his commandments, his instructions. Most of us know the Ten Commandments, but there's actually 613 different laws and rules that the people of Israel have to give up with. And then the first one right here in verse 30, it says, all of the tithe of the land, whether of seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, it is the Lord's, it is holy to the Lord. So what we see here is not only just giving out of revelation, now we're into giving because of legislation. It's a law. Not a law for me, not a law for you, but it's a law for them. And he says give the first because it's easy for us to give the leftovers because sometimes we have more month than money. But to truly show trust, to truly show our faith in God, he said, give the first. Legislation. 
So as Pastor Drew um, talked about it, and you can actually go to Malachi chapter 3, it's legislation for them. So when we read this book, we can't be cursed because Jesus died for the curse. But when we read these type of scriptures or any passage in the Old Testament, we're looking for principles. Because as I mentioned, your eternity is safe. You're good. But there's principles and instructions that we're able to take advantage of to see God work, to be able to see God move, because God, Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Because if he abolished it, we can just take the Old Testament and throw it away. Matter of fact, if you have a Bible in your hand, the most unholy page in your Bible is the white paper between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's uninspired. It's really, as we see it, just the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. So when we read Malachi chapter 3, you have to read it from the perspective of, I'm not cursed, but is this a vehicle that God is able to use to be able to bless me? So as we all heard it, you know, in our great churches, will a man rob God? How can he do it, church? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way may I have robbed you? And the tithes and the offering, your curse. No, 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 no. We're not giving under legislation. Jesus died for the curse. He went to the cross from the curse. But it's a principle for us. Keep going. There you go. You are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me. So for us, it's God, we are robbing God of an opportunity. The curse doesn't apply to you, but God tests us with various things to see what we're going to do, to see if you have your heart, to see it's because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Even the whole nation, keep going. It says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Listen, when people talk about we don't, use, we don't need your money, we use the money. We plan a budget. There are things that we want to do from missions into the city. Us as a church, we have our covering. We use your giving through tithes and offerings and missions to be able to help, to impact, and to touch the community. Nobody here is working full time. Please don't get caught up. Most of us are all bivocationists, but we're making room through our gifts, through stewardship. So yes, we use your money to pay bills. We can't just pray in tongues and say, Shonda, Shonda, pay the light bill. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's really Shonda, Shonda, see my Honda. Don't try it. <laughs> here we go. Uh, but here's the part I like. It says, to try me now. Other versions will say dare, or I like to say double dog dare, triple dog, see what I'll do. Try me. You won't. And it says, the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing that there is not room enough to receive it. Keep going. 
and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Many of us, when it comes to testing, I give because it helps me pray stronger. When I know out of all of the decisions, all of the times that I try to do right every week, I slip up, I make a mistake, I may say something the wrong way, but I give, your pastor give, because it's the one decision that I know I met the heart of God. What does it say? On average, we have about a thousand different thoughts. I'm probably at a 50% rate. But there's one thing I know when it's time to give, I give because there are things in my life that I know I can't do on my own. I know I'm not the best husband. I know I'm not the best pastor. And as it's a privilege and an honor to be able to serve you, there are certain things that I need him to be able to rebuke off of my life because of my stupid decisions. And he said, I will not destroy the fruit of the ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts in verse number 12. And it says, and all the nations will call you blessed. I think the best compliment that we can all receive and say, you're blessed. Sarah, you're blessed. Tamika, you're blessed. CD, you're blessed. There's something different about you. What are you doing? And it's through stewardship. Forgot what's next. Everybody okay? Anybody heard something new or different today? Raise your hand. Okay, just want to make sure we got it. I'm in teacher mode today. So when we hear Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty, that there's vats overflow with new wine. See, what God wants to show is that we're not battling once we give our life to Christ, a generational curse, but what we're fighting is generational choices. Generational choices. If a choice got me in this situation, choices can get you out. What we do today will manifest tomorrow. Generational choices. What are you doing with the choices? Because giving can't be based on punishment. It can't be out of obligation because we serve a free will God. Do what you want with all the trees. Just leave this one alone. So when it comes to the first, I don't even play with it. But I feel the resistance. But that's the Old Testament. So what about us being born-again believers under the New Testament? What does it say about tithes and offering? Let's go to the next one. Romans 11 and 16. For the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy, and if the root is holy, so are the branches. So what is it saying is that as we give our first, this is an Old Testament principle being revealed again in the New Testament. Because while God is bringing us a vehicle for salvation, he still hasn't changed his mind. He still hasn't changed his heart. He still wants to be able to bless it. And this is one opportunity for us to be able to grow, to be able to flourish, 
and he gives us the power of choice. Hebrews 7.23, a lot of scripture today, I promise. I don't want to be sloppy in this. Hebrews 7.23, and it says, We have this hope and the anchor for our soul, firm and secure. And it enters into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Verse 20, for where the forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. That's why we can't be cursed. He has become what? The high priest forever after what? The order of Melchizedek. So when it comes for us, our ability to give, why we give, same thing like Abram. We give because we're blessed. So now number three, this is why we give. We tithe, we bring forth our offering for adoration and celebration. We give as a sign of worship. We give as a sign to say thank you for all of the things that you've done, for all of the things we thought could have happened and you helped us. I was driving about 8.30 yesterday, going to get my coffee, Grande, Pike's Place, three espresso shots, five packets of raw sugar, because I got to finish the message. And I was driving, and I'll be honest, I was multitasking, I was on my phone looking at football stuff, because Sunday is holy, so my fantasy lineup got to be straight. And the next thing you know, a deer ran right in front of the car, and all I said was, Jesus! And I slammed the brakes, and it messed up my whole night. And I said it was this close. On the main highway, it just ran across right in front of the car. And I didn't see it, but the car beside me saw it. And when the car stopped, I began to slam my brakes, and the deer ran right in front of me. Those are the things you can believe what you want to believe, but I believe through the stewardship. That was God's sign of protection. 30, I was over the speed limit. Way over. Don't judge me. Pray for me. And I would have hit the deer. I didn't have the time to pray in King James. All I said was Jesus and close my eyes. Stewardship. Because of adoration and celebration. 2 Corinthians 9 and 6. But this is, but this I say, he that sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one gives as he has what? Purpose in his heart. Because giving is all about the heart. If your heart's not right, if we're trying to like manipulate God, hold it. The board's going to kill me for saying that. Hold it. Giving is all about the heart. But if he's blessed you, you don't have to think of too many reasons why to give. So let each one gives as he's purpose in his heart, not grudgingly or through necessity. For God loves a tearful giver. No, cheerful giver. Because what happens when we give, right, there's two tests we all fight. Before we give, we're going to have to fight the selfishness test. 
oh, Lord, you know what I can do with this money? Or after we give, now we got to fight the grief test. That was mine. Do you know what I could do with that? I don't have a retirement fund yet. I need this. The selfishness test? Or we grieve. It'd be like Tuesday. Maybe you look at your bank account and be like, man, you know what? I wish I had that money back. And so sometimes we do give. It does hurt. Anybody else beside me gave and like, man, that hurts. Sometimes we got the joy of the Lord. Sometimes it's like, ah, I'm just going to be obedient today. Five more minutes. In Luke chapter 21 and verse 1 and 4. And it says, while Jesus was in the temple, he watched the, re- the rich people make it rain with their gifts. Dropping them, dropping them, dropping them. Make it rain. It's time to give. Make it rain. It's time to give. Sorry can't help it. Dropping their gifts into the collection box because God has taken care of them. But then a poor widow came by and dropped off two small coins. What happens in verse 3 and 4? And this is what Jesus said. I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all of the rest. Why? Because she has given out of her heart. So sometimes we think when we give that it's only two pennies. It ain't worth much, but it's not even about that. It's about us putting preeminence on God. It's about him being able to see if he has your heart. I was challenged what was it, Wednesday, I was studying this word. I'm like, Lord, when has been the last time I've given you a two-penny offering? Not necessarily the amount, but a sacrificial offering. And he says, you stopped doing that when you had kids. You stopped doing that when you bought you a big house. You're making it rain, but you're going to have to give out of obedience this week to make it hurt. Not to the church. I'm going to put two people on your heart, and you need to give them money this Sunday. Don't fill it out. Don't use the church money, but use from your money. But God, I want to quit my job. Why are you telling me to give? God, you know, I'm trying to find a new doctor for my daughter. That's going to cost money because it's out of network. Are you going to trust me? Do I have your heart? And I'm like, all right, well, it's Tuesday. If I don't feel it on Sunday, it was just that, you know, what's that, St. Louis ravioli, stuffed ravioli, or that gooey butter cake I had. And I completely forgot about it on Friday because I didn't want to do it. And then I was studying this morning, and he said, you better do it. The things that you want to see done in this church, the things that you want to see done in your household, give me a two-penny offering. 
and we met with two couples this morning and we gave them a check and that thing hurt and what God told me to tell them I got you he told me to tell them I see the things that you're doing and we cried and we prayed and grief hit me just to be real it don't hit that much today because I'm under the anointing. <laughs> but Tuesday, God said, watch out. Watch what I'm going to do for you. You only got here because of your two-penny offering. He said, do you think you deserve this church? Do you think you deserve the pastor more than 10 people? Looking at your life, do we need to play the highlight reel? But giving became one of the vehicles, one of the things. It's not the only thing. If you're doing all kind of crazy stuff and you just give, trying to give your way out of situations, grace does not erase the consequences. So do your best. But sometimes he's going to say, give me a two-penny offering. And we're still talking about her. She made it to the text through her sacrificial giving. In closing, when it comes to the heart, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. We've all heard the verse before, but I want to make sure you see from the New Living Translation. First, we know New King James, but see first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things shall be added to you. So when I used to read that verse, just say, I'm, I can do whatever I want, God's going to just add the deficiency. But when I read it from the New Living Translation, the last word had me tripping. It says, seek first the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously. Responsibility on us. And he will give you everything you need. I have enough faith that God can bless everyone in here with at least everything you need. But what happens is sometimes through our stewardship, our wants swallow the needs. It's called keeping up with the Joneses. It's called debt. When you rob your future to fill up your present. <clears throat> Say that again. Debt is when you rob your future to fill up your present. God wants to be able to bless our church, to be a blessing, to be a river, and he's able to meet our needs. But in closing, he is he number one in your life. My last point, God wants priority, not exclusivity. Priority, when you wake up in the morning, what happens first? Facebook, text messages, coffee? Or does he give, or are you willing to give him first? Seek first priority. Yes, honor me all day. But you got things to do. Yes, you got to work. Yes, you got to take care of your kids. But will 
we give him priority in our life? Can we finish this decade making a few adjustments within our stewardship and give him number one? Not to focus on our agenda, not to focus on our success, not to focus on our emails, but can we give him first? First, not second, first. And we're not going for quantity, but we're talking about quality. Even if it's as simple as before you do anything, thank you, Lord, for waking me up today. At least start there. And I know some of us aren't morning people and you get up and you're grumpy and your bottom lip is sticking out and you want to get your chapstick first. But can you at least say thank you? Because, ooh, I'm chapped too. <laughs> God wants to be able to bless us, our household, our family. And the promise is if you do it right, if we put him first, that's beyond prayer, that's beyond giving. He wants to see if we have hearts. Continue to give despite your circumstances, despite your situations. God wants first. I've had my challenges financially. We had our challenges financially. Some of us married folks know what it is to have a we got money in the bank kiss or we get the broke kiss. Baby, can I get a kiss? That's it. My day. Just only the bottom lip. That's all you're getting. Because times get hard, and our women got a security gland, and when things ain't right, and it hurts, and it's frustrating, but God wants to challenge us through it to give Him our first. My prayer today is that you got understanding. I know sometimes accountability feels rough, like you're dodging punches the whole time. They say, why we got to talk about money? This is the only time, one service a year. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing about the word of God. I believe in preaching the whole council, every area of every aspect. And there's several people in here that feels like they're in bondage to their finances. And God is saying, work the principles. As many of us know, I'm a finance manager. I manage all of this money, and we can talk about the eight ways to get debt-free. We can talk about how to manage, how to track your spending, what apps to use. But today, we're talking about doing it God's way. Stand to your feet, church. As I said at the beginning, it's about inspiration and information. But God is calling us to be stewards. I believe he's going to break the back of poverty over God's people. As we continue to show the spirit of generosity, it's more than just what you give in church is if you ride past 10 homeless people this week and it doesn't bother you just a little bit to say, here's a dollar. Don't even matter what they do with it. 
and you say, Jesus loves you. But I want to be a church that we grow. Yes, it's about diversity. Yes, it's about our numbers, our colors, our ages. But I want people to say we are blessed. We are blessed and we show it through our generosity. Bow your heads, church. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the word today. You know my heart. I did not want to talk about this. I fought for two weeks to avoid it. And I prayed and I fasted this week and said, everyone that needs to hear this message will be here today. Lord, I pray that you use us to get our heart right. Stewardship simply means a heart towards God. So, Lord, I pray everyone under the sound of my voice will begin to give you priority. Not second, not third, not last, not the leftovers, but priority. And as they seek your kingdom first, that you begin to give them wisdom, that you begin to give them revelation, that you begin to give them insight on how to go forth and conquer with 2020 vision. You can change them, Lord, through their sacrifice. You can change them, Lord, through their commitment. And I pray that every word under the sound of my voice brings edification in their life, that it brings inspiration. And those that came and didn't understand why we give and that have experienced church hurt on so many levels, that you restore them, not only in their hearts, but in their hands. That they come with open hands to freely you have given. Freely we shall receive. That we can start a giving and generosity revolution with each other as we serve one another, with our employers as we go to work, as we serve to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors, that it may mean sometime that we have to be inconvenienced and become the Good Samaritan. So I thank you right now as we continue to do your work, that people will give because they are blessed. People will sow because they are blessed. And as we become rivers, that we become active change agents in this city, in this community, on social media, in all of our areas. And Lord, I pray right now for those by a showing of hands that would like to make a challenge and say, you know what, I'm gonna give God first. I've been slipping, I've hit the snooze button too many times, but from this moment forward, I'm gonna give him priority. Yes, Lord, hands all over the place. Lord, you see and you know, and for those that have already given him priority, I pray that they remain steadfast on these commitments. So Father, I thank you for the things that you have done, for the words that you have said. Thank you, Lord, for giving me a, an opportunity to be a good steward. So we give you the praise the honor and the glory for you are great 
and you are greatly to be praised. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.